The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won over your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him as you would a Gentile or a tax collector. Amen, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, amen, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything for which they are to pray, it shall be granted to them by my heavenly Father. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I, in the midst of them. The Gospel of the Lord. You, You know, we hear a great deal these days about different aspects of social justice. And in many cases we should. And yet, we hear very little publicly about our responsibilities to personal justice. In one sense, social justice is a very easy virtue to practice because it's out there. I'm not dealing with something internal, but with something external. In fact, very often, people who lead very sinful lives will focus on some social virtue to make themselves feel righteous. In fact, social justice is one of the most difficult virtues to practice because it demands individual justice first, my own holiness, my own virtue. And that's something we don't want to face often. And our world will tell us that when it comes to sin or individual justice, that we have no right to judge. And there is that rather ambiguous word that people use today, and that's judgmental. Monsignor Williams and I were talking one day And we both agreed that we had no idea what that word really meant, uh, which is probably one of the reasons it's used so often. Judge not, the Lord said. And yet, he tells us in today's gospel that certain judgments have to be made, judgments regarding what is true or false, good or evil. To deny those judgments is to deny, first of all, that I have an intellect, and secondly, that I have a will. An intellect to know the truth 
and the will to will the good. I must do that, as first as a human being, and most of all as a follower of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, I can't follow him. When people talk about judgment, true or false, good or evil, isn't something that we invented. It's God's. We know what it is because of what God has revealed, either directly through revelation or through reason in the natural law, upon which all law is based. Today's gospel deals with that reality, sin between people. In this case, a sin that affects somebody else. He says, if your brother sins against you, you know there's a sin. You didn't make it up. It comes from God. Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Keep it to yourselves. That's an important concept in correction, isn't it? To keep it between yourselves. Generally speaking, before we tell somebody else, we're going to tell several other people first because we want to make sure that they know just how much we have been offended. But we don't go to the person because we're often afraid to do that. But that's what the Lord tells us to do, to go directly to the other person because it is a matter of justice with that person. Therefore, you have to confront the person with this failure to recognize his justice in regard to you. Then he goes further, if he listens to you, you have won over your brother. If he does not listen, now he brings in the Mosaic law, two or three witnesses. Bear them with you and tell him. And then finally, this is so important to the gospel. If he refuses to listen to them, tell the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him as you would a Gentile or a tax collector. That's serious business. But the church has that much authority. The church, at the end, being the body of Christ, alone can make that, can make that judgment. She's told to do so by the Lord. And sometimes that's painful. You know, in the church there's a process for dealing with serious grievances. Again, our Lord gave it to the church. But the church isn't arbitrary either. The church is insistent upon justice. In fact, if you look back in the history of law, the church has been at the forefront of all good law. Did you know, for instance, that the first court, I'd like to talk about this at greater length, we don't have time, the first court to ever allow independent counsel for an accused was, of all things, the Spanish Inquisition. No other court in Europe allowed that. But church courts began early on to realize that justice was something that took time and justice was something that demanded that you be thorough in your investigation. So today, for instance, if someone were to come to me with a complaint, I would say, a serious complaint, go to the dean. Go to the dean. The dean must deal with this. Having been a dean, I know that. And then, if he won't listen to the dean, go directly to the bishop. If he won't listen to the bishop, I'm talking about something serious, mind you. Well, then you can go to the nuncio in Washington. 
Don't listen to the nuncio, you can go to the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith in Rome. And in the end, it winds up going to the Holy Father sometimes. These are rare cases. And it says in law that there is no recourse to a decision by the Roman pontiff. Or as we used to say, Roma locuta est, causa finita est. Rome has spoken, the cause is finished. Now, you might say, well, these are human beings. Yes, but remember, the church is guided by the Holy Spirit in different ways and in different degrees. No one of us can say that we are infallibly guided by the Holy Spirit except by the Holy Father and only in matters of faith and morals when he is speaking solemnly. So the church sets up structures that allows this to happen. But you and I in our own lives have to accept this too. You know, I think fraternal correction is so difficult to do for two reasons. First of all, because the person doing the correction tends to, has the temptation to be self-righteous. And the person being corrected, generally speaking, uh, um, has to deal with pride. None of us like being corrected. Or, generally speaking, we don't. We're offended. We want to defend ourselves. And so God gave us a means, or rather an example, to overcome that. He himself allowed himself to be unjustly accused, ridiculed, condemned to death, and crucified. And he was the just one. He took all of our injustice upon himself so that when we are accused justly or unjustly, we are uniting ourselves to his action and to his love. That's what makes forgiveness so distinct in the church, particularly through the sacrament of penance. We are actually united to him in forgiveness, united to his love, united to his cross. What a beautiful thing. So that when we come here then to receive his body and blood, we come as different people. I've said this many times, I'm going to keep saying it. How many times before we ever get here at Mass, have we had to acknowledge our sinfulness towards one another? We, I mean, we, we do it rather casually. I mean, it's, it's amazing that we can beat our breasts uh, rather, in a rather ordinary way, as though this is something we do, without really thinking about the importance of that action. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned. We just admitted that to one another not very long ago. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. We're serious about it. And we ask for prayers, too, from one another and from the saints to help us deal with that reality. And then having admitted that, I mentioned this before, too, every, virtually every private prayer the priest says, he says quietly, has to do with sinfulness. Before the gospel, the priest prays, Almighty God, cleanse my heart and my lips that I may worthily proclaim your holy gospel. And then when he washes his hands, Lord, wash away my iniquities, cleanse me from my sins. The church is going to make the priest over and over again recognize the fact that he's a priest, an altar Christus, and yet fallible. And then again, before communion, there are two options, both of which bring in sin, and you ask for healing. So we have come to do that. And finally, altogether, we ask for it, oh, Lord, I am not worthy. <coughs> so 
we come here today as two or three <coughs> gathered together in my name. This is true with any two or three, but this is particularly a Eucharistic gospel, and that's how the church understood it. There am I in the midst of them. Here he is, and here we are, restored and healed. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you as the people redeemed by the blood of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. For Deacon Steve and his family, for Karen, for Mark, for the repose of his, the soul of his son John, we pray to the Lord. For all those affected by the hurricane in Texas and in the Caribbean, for the people of Florida, for those in its path, we pray to the Lord. For the church throughout the world, that her members will always respond to the call to perfection, especially the church suffering, we pray to the Lord. For all nations of the world, especially our own, that we may realize our defects and truly seek peace, we pray to the Lord. For all those who are sick and suffering and dying, the lonely, the frustrated, and the confused, that they may know that in their suffering they are united to Christ in his love. For those who are greatly tempted, for those who have lost faith, we pray to the Lord. For greater respect for human life, for justice in the womb, we pray to the Lord. For <coughs> an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, especially from our own parish and diocese, those young men and women who will follow Christ heroically. For greater reverence for the heroic nature of marriage and the single life, we pray to the Lord. For our new bishop, our priests, deacons, seminarians, and the American hierarchy, they will first become holy themselves, listen to the call of God, and then convert others, we pray to the Lord. Lord For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died on the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. And for all of us here, that our lives will reflect the grace that we have received. We may rise above our sins move closer to God, and truly become witnesses to our world, we pray to the Lord. Lord, We now join our prayers to those of the refuge of sinners as we sing. (laughs) 